Well, hey, Northland family and friends, welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I'm here with my co-host, Matt Shiles. Matt, it's great to be with you once again. Yeah, great to be here. Yep. I always look forward to Monday, just the conversation, the follow-up. I mean, thinking about the Monday morning fog that I usually get up in, yeah. by 1 o'clock it has burned away. So I, I don't know if I can say that I'm I'm – Thinking as sharply as I normally do. I don't even know if I even think sharply, but <laughs> nevertheless, at 1 p.m., I think it's a really good time for me to do extra takes. So I'm always looking forward to 1 p.m. on Mondays to do extra takes. Well, I am too, and it's a uh, it's a good deadline for us, and it's it's great to um, to consider. Okay, what did we talk about? Just 24 hours ago, and and dig a little deeper. So, yeah. um, so I will try to keep you on your toes, and hopefully, we're out of that Monday morning fog. Perfect. Sounds like a plan. Okay, so this is the last week of the backstory of generosity. This is the passion of generosity, November 19th and 20th, and we were in Genesis 3. So we have graduated out of Genesis 1 and 2, and we made it all the way to Genesis made it 3. All the way, all the way to Genesis 3, where we had to look at the fall. I mean, that that was a huge part of it. And I didn't mention the word passion this past weekend. Now, I know in the behind the scenes, I had labeled all of all four of the message messages as the principle of generosity, the purpose of generosity, the pattern of generosity, and the passion of generosity. Mm-hmm. And why I, why I did that behind the scenes, passion, I'm actually using the Greek word for uh, for passion, which actually means to suffer. And I think what we saw is the measurement of generosity actually does lead to suffering. Yes. So, so that's the reason why you, you know, all of you family and friends, you're listening to it. Well, Josh, you didn't mention anything about passion. Well, the reason why I didn't is because I didn't want to have to even spend time kind of mm. unpacking passion to suffer. I just shared it without saying passion, uh, which is why I went to the measurement. Because if you really do want to measure generosity, it's actually measured in suffering. Yes. And so that's why John three sixteen for God so loved the world that He gave His mm. one and only Son. And so Jesus gave up his life. Mm. So that's why we call it the passion of the Christ. Mm. Passion means to suffer, the suffering of Mm. the Christ. And so when it comes to generosity, if you want to measure generosity, you actually will be measuring it in suffering. Mm. Amen. So we had our our main point, generosity serves as a counteractive measure in response to the greed of and in the world. And to be generous requires sacrificial giving to overcome the self-serving that unraveled God's very good creation. Um, And the outline, so we we had three main points that we'll dig into. Generosity is measured by presence. Generosity is measured by the trifecta of mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And generosity is measured by death. So we waited this entire series to get into the the definition. We're, we we won't dig into it yet. We'll we'll save that for a we'll little later. Hey, well, yeah, we'll save it to the end. Um, but let's start with the uh, all month long in November. We have been celebrating what we've called the Sanctity of Life Month. Yeah. Um, so so months ago we were talking about the the second weekend of November is is Orphan Sunday, and something that you challenged us was, hey, let's not just make one week but let's make an entire month. So we have been focusing on uh, adoption, foster care, 
pregnancy centers, our Life Hope Child Care Ministry, One to One Hope, Access Ministry, CAC, all these ministries that are connected to in or outside of Northland that value life. So I just want to throw it out for you. Why, why is that important for us to focus a, a whole month on that? Well, growing up, the church had a Sanctity of Life weekend, and as as I really thought about that over the years, I'm like, is one weekend enough to to bring attention to this area? And I just felt like it wasn't, and that's when I decided this was years ago, even before Northland, to do a Sanctity of Life month and actually share ways that the church can be involved in the entirety of the Sanctity of Life, whether it's volunteering, whether it's donating items, whether it is fostering, or whether it is adopting. Uh, so that that's why it's so important. And even a month, I would say, is not even enough. So that's one of the things that we want to do well as we launch into 2023 is just constantly bringing awareness to all of the various spheres that we're involved in. Mm-hmm. So it might be someone's passion to get involved in this area in June next year. And so we don't we don't want to have to wait till November. But that's why it's really important is not to take just one weekend and focus on it, but take four weekends and focus on it in a holistic manner yeah. so that people can see all the variety of ways they can get involved in honoring the Lord yeah. through the sanctity of life. Yeah. Yeah. And the way we spend our time, talents, and treasures really illustrate our priorities. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So about presence. So that first point, there are many examples of mankind not being present uh, when he was supposed to be. So the example, Adam, right? So it seems like if we are not present when and where we are supposed to be, our absence can be life-changing. And so too can our presence. Yeah. Well, and that's where, yeah. And so, and I think generosity plays a lot. I think generosity plays a part in that, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're present, but you're being greedy, you're contributing to the unraveling of of order. Mm. If you're being present Mm. and you're being generous with your presence, you're adding to the order. Mm. And I think that's really key to understand in this series of generosity, especially as you look at your time. Because those three points of the measurements of generosity, of presence, mercy, grace, forgiveness, and death, I I could have, but I I didn't want to, but I I could have labeled them uh, presence is time, Mm -hmm. mercy, grace, and forgiveness are talents. You have to learn to either withhold to extend, to forgive. You have to learn that. That's a talent that you do have to learn. And then death is your treasure, like you give in your life. Your life is your – think about it. Your life is your ultimate treasure. Hmm. And in order to receive the ultimate treasure that God gave – you have to give up your ultimate treasure, your own life. So, so mm. if you really look at even the breakdown of those three points, it really does fit within that framework of time, yeah. talents, and treasures. And so, yeah, but you look at presence. Your presence can either be contributing to flourishing mm. or it can be contributing to unraveling. It's all how you use your time. Mm. Mm. And it's not just about our individual presence, right? But as a as a body of believers, right, um, we see the value of the local church in the community, 
Yeah, and I actually had something in my message where I wanted to explain this, but I, you know, it, there's things you got to take out. Yeah. So I even have the it scratched out here in my notes. But what I wanted to kind of share, and it actually is part of the definition of generosity, which we'll get to at the end once again. But there, there's a lot of brokenness in the world. And we know that God loved the world. Mm. And so we know as individuals we cannot be everywhere we actually need to be mm. because God, God, again, he wants to bring healing. He wants to bring the good news to the world. Mm. And so one of the reasons why it's so important to partner with the local church on mission is that although you might not can be at the pregnancy centers, the church can be. In other ways, although you might not be able to be at the CAC serving adults with disabilities, Mm. the church can be. And so if if the church is there and you're not there and you're part of the church, you're there. Mm. And and so that's why I think it's really important when you look at the, the generosity of presence, although you cannot specifically individually be there, you have partnered with the church that is there and embodying the presence of Christ in the world. And that's one Mm. of a a host of reasons why it's so important to be part of a local church. Yeah. Yeah, I love how there's there's this idea of presence for us individually is important, but also – um, as a as a community and also as a body of believers, as we are connected to the local church, um, we are an extension of of God here on earth. Um, but also, our brothers and sisters are an extension of of what we are able to do. So, and that's why I think it's so important. And we, we research share you know shows this that individuals mm. who have been a believer for a long time they typically are removed from people far from Jesus, mm. and then churches. The longer they are in existence, the further removed they are from the community. And when you think about presence, the generosity of presence, the church, and this is something that, you know, as as the missions director and as someone who loves mission, and we've been talking about how do we make sure that we're more present in the community. So like this past week, you and I, we were meeting with the city of Longwood yep. and the leaders therein of how we can partner together to be present yep. and for the common good, but in a way mm-hmm. where we are demonstrating the, the presence of God in the world, yep. in the community. Yep. So we want to be more present. Why? Because there's this generosity of presence because we know where God is present. He actually brings flourishing. And so we want to make sure that we're present and we're, we're demonstrating the, the presence of God in the world. And as we, as we celebrate 50 years from Northland this year, and as we look forward to, um, to next year and what that looks like for the next 50 years, that's, that's our challenge is, is to reverse it, to be intentional with not getting further away, <laughs> but being, getting closer to yeah. the world. Yeah, how how do, how do we uh, immerse ourselves yeah. into the just? I mean, it, it is the incarnation, yep. right? It's uh, the, the incarnation of Jesus was God's presence in the world, Emmanuel, God with us. So, how do we, hmm. if we are the body of Christ, the presence of God in the world, how do we immerse ourselves in an incarnational manner where God is with those who are far from Him? Yeah, and that that is that is a like a whole strategy. Built upon a theology, and yeah. so that's why the the more we can be present in, in a variety of ways in the community, will be an element of God's present generosity among people far from Him. And I love the distinction when you talked about: um, Are you being generous 
when you are present or are you being greedy? Yeah. <laughs> Just because we were there doesn't mean we are being generous. No, so. because that's where you, you get into what you know. We would prefer to be blank, but where do we need to be? Yeah. And I, you know, you, there, there's so many illustrations there, mm. but. But I know. I mean, again, that's that headwind of greed in in our own lives is that we would prefer to to do what we want to do when we want to do it and how we want to do it. But that might not be where God is calling us to be. Great. So that's the first point. The second point is about that trifecta of mercy, grace, and forgiveness. Uh, We talked a lot about the the, the prison and – we were thinking about um, this idea of, of freedom and, and sin. So um, I actually got this question from um, my backup co-host, Joe Curtis. He was, he was asking, is what we think is freedom, which causes sin, is that actually a prison? All right. So ask that question again. <laughs> is what we think is freedom, so what we do, what we think is going to free us, which is ultimately sin, does that actually lead to us being in prison? Well, I mean, if you look at what Adam and Eve did with sowing the fig leaves, yep. they are – and that's what humanity is in. We are in this never-ending prison where we're trying to do enough. Yep. I mean, think about it. Every other religion on the face of planet Earth aside from – Evangelical Christianity, because there are even some sects of Christianity that would say you need to do good works in order to be saved. Think about that that imprisonment. Yeah. You are imprisoned to good works, and you never know. Mm. I mean, that's the thing about good works and, and having a salvific or a salvation system built upon works. Mm. That's what sowing fig leaves are. Yeah. That I'm going to, I feel this way, I, I feel ashamed. I feel guilt, and so therefore I'm going to go to work to try to cover my shame, hmm. to cover my guilt. Hmm. But but how how much or how much good works do you need to do hmm. in order to cover what you feel? And so that again, that's that that's that imprisonment that people actually go into their own selves. Hmm. But what God is doing is like, no, I'm going to free you from that prison. I'm going to bring you out of hiding, and I'm going to clothe you. So that's where, that's where forgiveness and reconciliation they're connected. God, God forgave them; He brings them out of hiding. But do they want to receive God's forgiveness? The reception of the clothes that God provided for Adam and Eve—that mm. was the reconciliation part—is mm. that they received the clothes that God made for them. Mm. See, God again, God extended forgiveness. But did they receive that forgiveness? And the only way to receive the forgiveness of God Hmm. is through putting on the clothes that he has provided. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus' blood was shed in order to cover our lives. That's the reason why the apostle Paul will say in Ephesians and Colossians to put off your old clothes. Put off these, but you're going to put on the new clothes that have, that have been purchased and given to you by Jesus. And so that's where when you even think about relationships that get sideways and when someone has hurt you Hmm. 
and you know, I talked about forgiveness. Yeah, you're going to extend forgiveness, but yes, you will have to go to that person. If you want a reconciled relationship, mm. you're going to have to tell them, what you did hurt me. I want you to know I forgive you, and I invite you back in to be part of my life. Mm. Now, if they don't receive that forgiveness and change what they did that brought hurt to you, there's no reconciliation there. But you are still called to forgive. Yeah. You, you know, so so God is forgetting. That's why, for God so loved the world that He gave. So forgiveness is there. Hmm. That's why the church is so important. We're the, the good news that we are now going out and proclaiming and demonstrating. Even is that in Jesus, God has forgiven you, hmm. but He loves you too much to leave you in your nakedness. He loves you too much to leave you in your sin. Loves you too much to leave you in shame and in guilt. And He's provided clothes to you. Hmm. And here's the thing: when you have when you have received the clothes that God has purchased for you, you are saying, "I want to become. I, I want to. I want to." come home. I want to come I want to become part of your home again, which again, hmm. now God is going to transform you under his authority hmm. in his home. But the only way you got there was not only through his forgiveness, but through what he gave you to clothe you in your sin. Hmm. Yeah, well said. It um that whole thought reminds me of the the deceptive nature of sin where where they thought there was freedom and there wasn't you know they thought they could do it on their own and they they couldn't so well and think about where our culture is cuz we're there i mean again I, I mean it's nothing new we we see that from the very beginning yeah. i mean it's nothing new we're going to work and we think we want to be free to do whatever we want to do yeah. but I, I do feel like even our culture right now is that they want this complete liberation and freedom to do whatever they want to do to do their own truth to live their own way and and what we have to do as the church we have to position ourselves when they fall and when they get into this place where we tried and we we have not overcome the feelings of shame, we have not overcome the feelings of guilt, we've not overcome this idea of we, we thought this was going to bring this kind of life, but it didn't. We got to position ourselves in a way so that we can be the good news for them when they actually experience the bad news of what they have been pursuing for years, maybe even decades. Yeah, yeah. And you had said that this was going to be a hard-hitting and, and challenging. Um, how was this for you personally to write this message, to, to, um, to, to read this, to learn it over the last couple weeks? Um, was this challenging for you to, to write and preach this message? There's no question about it. And that's why preaching for me, it, it is first preaching to myself because I need to digest it my own self. And as right. I digested, I'm like, and I, I literally, I'll, I'll just read read my notes at the very end, and I didn't say it. Uh, I wanted all of us to see. I wanted to see personally how I'm not as generous as I think I am. Now, and that's that, that's the key because yeah. we believe as. The Bible teaches in this thing called sanctification. It is the process of becoming more conformed into the image of Jesus. And so what this series really outlined is just a a hopeful uh, gauge of where you are in 
the sanctification process with generosity. And I, I and I know at least what I came away with is I'm not as generous as I think yeah. I am. And so there's definitely some ways that I can grow in my generosity. But through this series, I learned even more so about generosity knowing that its aim is to bring flourishing. And that's something, again, that's a great gauge. And when you look at your family, when you look at your marriage, are we flourishing? And if not, then guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to up your game in your giving of your time, your talents, and your treasures. Church, are we flourishing? No, we're not. So what we have to do, we have to up our game. And so so I learned that, but also I learned, okay, there are some things that I can do to up my game Mm. in giving of my time, my talents, and my treasures. And so it was. It was a hard-hitting, convicting message series for me. And I know, like, there's times where, especially in this series, and maybe, well, really even this weekend, I'm looking out and, I mean, deer in the headlight, look. Yeah, because I do think that it, it's a heavy message. There, there are just some messages, and that's why I, at the eleven o'clock I said, "Listen, I, I know this is not easy, but I, you know me now. I, I'm not someone that's going to tickle ears and, and, and make us feel good, because." Ultimately, we need to be challenged by the Word of God. We need to be challenged by who Jesus is and what He has called us to. And that's part that 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 is part of the rub and the friction that needs to happen in the church where we are encountering the very words of God so that they might conform us more into the image of Christ. And so don't, and this is what I would encourage any person who is a follower of Jesus or if they're not a follower of Jesus, but they're interested, don't be repelled by, by, by biblical teaching. Uh, but but press hard into it. Yeah. What, what does God want to do? Because if you just want something that makes you feel good, then then you'll never surrender yourself to the teaching of Scripture. Hmm. Because again, it's, it's Adam and Eve. God's going to draw us out of hiding. And then he's going to give us the clothes, and will we receive the clothes that that he gives us? But then he's going to bring us back into the fold, and he's going to teach us what it truly means to image him in every sphere of life. But if we want to stay in hiding, then then we'll never allow the scriptures to challenge us in all of our spheres that we live in. That's great. So that that third point was on death and sacrifice. And that's the heavy. Well, forgiveness was heavy too, but yeah, yeah. I, I thought forgiveness so, was heavy. Yeah. yeah, forgiveness heavy. All right, death was heavy too. All if right. if yeah. it doesn't cost you, it doesn't count as generosity. Um, can you give an example, uh, maybe maybe good and bad example of of cost that we see illustrated in the Bible? Yeah, I mean the two examples that come to my mind are Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler. So Zacchaeus. He's in the tree. Jesus comes to him. Says, "I got to hang out with you today." So he goes back to Zacchaeus's house, hangs out. Undoubtedly, whatever was said at the house transforms Zacchaeus, and now he starts giving his possessions away. He starts giving his treasures away. Yeah, he gives half of his. I mean, th- I mean, this is a this is a wealthy man, and he gives half his treasures away to the poor. And then the other portion of his treasures, if he's defrauded anyone, I think it's four times the amount. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, yeah. just think about that. Yeah. How how yeah. much will that even cost him? Hmm. And that that actually goes in line with something that I had said about the key to the cost of generosity. Like if you if you want to be able 
to give generously to the point where it does cost you, where you are sacrificing, where you you feel some element of suffering. The key is, is for your love for God and the people and things that he loves will need to surpass your love for yourself and what you see your treasures as doing for you. So here's Zacchaeus. His love now for Jesus surpasses his love for money. Mm. And what money has done for him to the point where, okay, now the things and people that, that, that Jesus loves. So, so he loves the poor. I'm going to give half my possessions away to the poor. And then Jesus loves justice. He loves a, a, being a just business person. And so now he's going to a, give restitution to those that he has been, you know, unjust to. Yeah. And now he's given. So now his love for Jesus surpasses injustice and surpasses his love for his own treasures Mm. and what they do. But then the other example is the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. Hey, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus begins this dialogue and discussion with him. And as the discussion unfolds, the rich young ruler thinks good is actually doing all of the laws. Yeah. But what he has failed to realize is that he loves his treasures more than God, which actually goes against the very first law, right? And so what what we see there, Jesus is saying, no, one thing that you have neglected, mm. sell everything that you have, give to the poor, and mm. come follow me. Mm. And what does the rich young ruler do? He turns away saddened yeah. because he loved his treasures, and so he could he could not count that cost. Mm. And so when, when when you think about yeah again when you bring it in particularly your treasures when it comes to cost mm-hmm. like again and treasures is not just finances it's materials it's possessions so it's your car that you drive it's the home that you live in it's mm-hmm. the the uh, money that you do have it's the four like so how are you leveraging your possessions mm. your treasures your materials in a way that costs you something that's why like an, an example would also be fostering or adoption that there is a huge cost in that yeah but because it's costing your family in intangible ways it's also costing you in terms of providing now for uh, another life, mm-hmm. uh, not just financially, mm-hmm. but but emotional support. Uh, I mean, yeah. so it's so so many. So so that's where when you start measuring generosity, you do start you, again. You're measuring it according to what God says generosity is. Yeah. Not not what we want to say. That, that's where like I even you know ended uh in terms of the definition. So let me just define generosity because we're getting towards the end. Sure. But the definition of generosity is the continuous sacrifice of giving up your time, talents and treasures to bring flourishing to the people and things God loves. Now I did begin this series by by offering up Webster's Dictionary definition, and it's liberal in giving, it's open-handed, marked by abundance or ample proportions, and characterized by a noble or kindly spirit. Okay, those are elements of generosity. Hmm. But what we've seen in this series is that God, he, he uh, raises generosity to a whole new level hmm. because liberal in giving, open-handed, it has nothing to do with cost, right? Yeah. Marked by abundance or ample proportions. Okay, well, what does that mean? How do you measure that? Mm-hmm. Well, God's given us the measurements now. It's measured by cost. 
It's measured by sacrifice, and it is in proportion to our ability. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the body of Northland, there, are, there there's so many people that are all over the spectrum in terms of their ability to give. Yep. But everybody is called to give proportionately to their ability, and that proportion, regardless of how much or how little it is, should be an element of cost to it. Mm. So, like, you know, I know in our own life, it it has cost us where we may not be able to get the car that we really wanted. Yep. Uh, we may not be able to go on uh, expensive vacations every single year. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's some elements that, that it, it does cost us in ways. Mm-hmm. But then uh, here's another thing, that, and I know that Tim Keller talks about this and other people when they talk about generosity, is that when you are given an increase or a raise in pay, that doesn't necessarily equate or it shouldn't equate for the believer an immediate increase in lifestyle. Like so so because again, we're gonna be measuring mm-hmm. what God has given us in an increase in pay or raise with okay, what does he want us to do with it? Mm-hmm. And and again, we're not against material possessions, we're not against uh, you know, expensive homes or expensive cars, but this is where you're trying to allow God to frame mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. how you leverage your time, your talents, and yes, even your treasures. So we finally got to the definition. Did that definition change? Did you have that set at the beginning of the series, or did it change any? Uh, I mean, I tweaked it some, but that's why I wanted to let the series unfold, mm. because obviously that entire definition, it shows how the series was a building block. Yeah. And yeah. so these are the building blocks of generosity. Yeah. And so it, it did. I, I, I tweaked it in a way, but at the very end of the day, knowing as I as I kind of Develop the last message. All right, how? Because a question of mine that I had is okay, if I'm going to look at the measurement of generosity, how do you measure things? Now, in the business world, you, you do measure things by quantity and quality. Yeah. Right, so there, there, there are things that we buy where uh, we want to make sure they're good quality. Yeah. We want them to last. Yeah. But then there are some things that we look at in quantity, mm-hmm. and so we want a lot. And when it comes to generosity, generosity is measured by quantity and quality, which is why at the very end of the day, the definition of generosity is continuous sacrifice yeah. because there is yeah. the quality sacrifice. So, so again, if it didn't cost you anything, it is not qualitatively generous. And then the quantity is continuous, is that it's not just a one-and-done deal. You're constantly mm. giving your time, your talents, and your treasures yeah. to actually bring about flourishing to the people and things God loves. So so that's what, at the very end of the day, when I started thinking about the measurement and this idea of, because, again, passion to suffer, how, how do you measure that? And yeah. so it's in quantity and quality. Yeah, great. So as I think about this upcoming week, we have Thanksgiving coming up. So what does what does Thanksgiving have to do with generosity? <laughs> yes, I mean that's a great question and the idea of releasing generosity can only happen if you've received it. Yeah. And so when you think about Thanksgiving, we are giving thanks for what? Yeah. What what we have received. So Thanksgiving is this confession mm. that we are giving thanks to God for the good that he has given. Yeah. Generosity is demonstrating the thankfulness. Mm. 
So thankfulness is this gratitude that that you are showing, and it's verbal. You're verbalizing the gratitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Like that's where when you read the Psalms, give thanks. So you're verbalizing. You're you're confessing. You're recognizing. You are aware of hmm. every as as James would say, every good and perfect gift has come down from the Father of Lights. Yeah. Now. Then generosity flows from the thanksgiving. That's why you will never find a generous person who hasn't first expressed gratitude. Hmm. So again, like Adam and Eve, hmm. when they were when they were offered the clothes, there should have been this this element of gratitude. But we actually see gratitude in God's giving Eve to Adam. He belts out into a song. So there, there's this gratitude, there's this thankfulness, there's this praise, there's this extolling, thank you, we praise you. Yeah. But generosity now is the demonstration of the gratitude in which you have received God's generosity. Hmm. And so that's where when you think about it, as we prepare for Thanksgiving, if you truly are grateful, if you truly do have this gratitude about you, you will be generous, which is why one of the things that we do at our Thanksgiving table is we go around, what are you thankful for? What do you think? Because if you can live in a thankful posture, yeah. you will live in generous practices. Yeah. So if you and that that's a that's a very good tweetable there. So if you can live with a with a posture of gratitude, you can live with practices of generosity. Hmm. But if you aren't if you aren't grateful, if there's no gratitude, you'll you'll never be generous. Why? Because you have not realized that you yeah. have received yeah. so much from God. Yeah, we have the opportunity to uh, to put this into practice this week. Uh, for some of us, this is a very exciting time where friends and family are together on Thanksgiving. Um, it, it can also be a, a tenuous time. Um, so this idea of, of presence and forgiveness and sacrifice um, can be felt with um, with some trepidation based on what's been going on with, with family dynamics. So um, what I'm hearing from you is, is maybe a way that we can prepare our hearts over the next coming days, even before Thanksgiving is to uh, to focus on the uh, what we have received, and I think as we do that, it might be uh, might be easier to uh, to then yeah. give it out. And with just one practical way that you can demonstrate generosity for Thanksgiving is a neighbor, maybe a coworker, a friend, maybe they they don't have any family. Yeah that they're either going to or family that's coming to them, or maybe they don't even have any family. Maybe all yeah. of their family has passed. Can you invite them over? And you're inviting them into the food and fellowship of your home, and so you're being generous. So I know that we've done that yeah. as a Laxons. We've extended multiple invitations to people that they're not going home for Thanksgiving or no one's coming here, and so we've invited them over uh, to be part of our family and to enjoy Thanksgiving together. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Very practical. Okay, so as we wrap up, our last question, we are we're going to look forward to Christmas because believe it or not, so we are – Rounding the turn, we are wrapping up this series. We're looking forward to Advent. Um, next time we, we talk, we will be in December. Oh, goodness. I think we'll be in December. Maybe maybe not quite, but almost. We'll yeah, be in our Advent be, series. Yeah, it'll be the Advent series the last weekend in November. November. Yes. Yeah, so uh, looking forward to Christmas, our series is Simple Christmas. Can you give us a, a preview? Yeah, the, t- the tagline is simply, you know, simp- uh, simply to make room for the most important gift. And so uh, this coming weekend, we're actually going to look at family dynamics 
and okay. look at Jesus's dysfunctional family that he came into. So we're going to look at the genealogy of Matthew and <laughs> look at the family dynamics that made up Jesus's ancestry. But but look at how in all of this with when a family can make room for the most important gift, it can actually bring peace. It can actually bring salvation. Mm to their home. Hmm. That's great. So that's where we're that's where we're going. So so that's just week one and then yeah. we are going to look at Mary, we're going to look at the wise men, and yeah. then we're going to look at the shepherds for our Christmas Eve gatherings. And so I, I can't wait to celebrate Christmas with my Northland family for the very first time. I love Christmas. I love the Christmas series. And so it, it will be a kind of a change of pace. Uh, like when, when you look at the transition series, it was very intentional because that's where we were. And then our Made for Mission series, very intentional. Like if you really want to know what I was all about, yeah. Made for Mission, yeah. that's what I eat, drink, sleep, and breathe. Yeah. And then you look at the generosity that was very intentional because we want to be a church truly built upon God's generosity. And then now we kind of move to now the Advent series, and then that will lead us into our our New Year's series, which is Northland 2.0. So, so it's really some exciting days, weeks, months, and series that are coming up and cannot wait to share it with the Northland family. Yeah, me too. As I think and reflect on what this generosity series has done, it has really elevated this idea of generosity. It's so much greater, so much bigger than what we we uh, sometimes realize and think. And for me, it has uh, convicted me to be more intentional. What I love about the beginning of, of December every year is the idea of thinking about intentionality. Yeah. Because December can be um, the busiest, uh, most frantic time. It can also be the fullest, most rich time. Yeah. And um, and I would just that that's one thing I want to try to do is be more intentional right from the beginning. Yeah. Well, and obviously the series, the backstory, generosity flowing into Christmas, the the Christmas season. I mean, it it, it works beautifully. Yeah. Like one of the things yeah. that Joni and I we 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 did with our kids yesterday. We told them we we're going to give them a hundred dollars each. Okay. And we we gave them the list of the Christmas house, and so Caleb can drive. So what we want them to do this week is go out and buy Christmas gifts for our great. Christmas house. That's great. And so they can practice generosity, and but also for Christmas, like we're we're providing gifts for for those that are are in need. And so it beautifully works from generosity to now simple Christmas, but making room for the most important gift. That that's wonderful. So if I if I can give them a tip, yep. have them buy for what they would want because yeah. every year teenagers are the hardest for us to buy for. We always get the most of the the youngest and girls. So typically boys and teenagers yep. is exactly yep. and, what we need. And which one is why we gave them a hundred dollars because because we're like I think you can find something nice for a hundred dollars and buy something that you would want, but but give it to someone else. So we're looking wonderful. forward to that. Great. So this has been a great series, and we look forward to uh, Christmas and, and being intentional. Well, thanks, North and family, for tuning in to Extra Takes Podcast. We are truly grateful for you. We pray that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving filled with much gratitude. And as you are grateful, will you demonstrate that, that gratefulness in acts and really a lifestyle of generosity? We love you. Blessings.